da 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 ha ha training practice planning and preparing prevents poor performance or practice planning and preparing creates a powerful performance don't practice till you get it right practice till you can't get it wrong and the more important question here would be what are you training for what are you practicing for what do you need to have a go at before you have a serious go at it which is what training and practicing is all about and it doesn't matter what area of your life you look at whether it's exercise sport business parenting relationships dating uh, your personal intimate sexual life all of that stuff requires education training and practice because <laughs> otherwise how would we get good at it so how do we train how do we practice the most effective way possible and should we look at what the best in the world are doing because a lot of people with an opinion about how to train yeah lots of opinions on how to exercise lots of opinions on how you should practice for your sport lots of opinions on how you should train to be good at your career path or good at anything that you do but what about what do the best in the world do so i'm very privileged i live with one of the best in the world my husband is a martial arts taekwondo kickboxer mixed martial arts the whole kit and caboodle of punching and kicking and fighting and and being really good at what you do and he is a multiple world champion we have a cupboard full we have a gallery full of trophies and gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals of all the championships that he has been to and won and the ones that he's come second that's silver of course and there's a great expression about competition uh, you don't win silver you lose gold uh, but it's interesting, when you have a look at the best in the world, I'm going to use K-Man as the first example. Uh, he doesn't go to a competition until he's fully prepared. Uh, it's not about training for the sake of training. It's training for a brilliant performance. Now, you can say practice uh, perfectly so you have a perfect performance. But one of the things in particular about martial arts is you can't control what the other person's going to be doing. But he arrives at the competition fully prepared so that he knows when he steps into the ring that he's fully strong, fully fit, exactly the right weight. He's done all the preparation and training, practicing, planning, preparing for a powerful performance. And there's probably a much better question to ask anybody, and I'm going to ask you personally, what is it that you want to achieve? Because the training and the practice and the and all the things we have to do to get good at something, the question is, what do you want to get good at? Sure, but why? What do you want and why do you want it? And is it possible that if there's a really big driving force uh, to get what you want to achieve, to do, to perform at your very best, that you're more likely to do it? Have you seen people who are doing it because their parents want them to or their uh, organization thinks they should win. I remember uh, at school, I went to a private boarding school in Melbourne, Australia, and our sports coordinator, the, the, the guy that ran the whole sporting uh, curriculum at the school, his number one fighting goal was for our school to beat all the other schools. So every time we went to perform, every time we went to play a game, every time we went to compete with other schools, I'm not sure it was too much about us as the students or us us as the athletes. It was a lot about him and his driving force to be the best school in the, you know, the Ivy League. Uh, and it's interesting because there were a lot of uh, people at my school that weren't particularly interested in what he wanted. 
uh, and he didn't have the he didn't seem to have the ability to tap into headspaces to understand that it's not what I want as the coach it's what do you want as the athlete as the client as the employee as the person who has to perform what do you want and why do you want it? And could they be the two most important driving forces? Because if you know specifically what you want and exactly why you want it, is it possible that the process to make it happen becomes not even that you want to train, because that's important, of course, and I'll use K-Man again. He doesn't practice, train, prepare for competition because he has to. He trains because he wants to, whether it's hot or cold or raining or it's late at night or early in the morning, it doesn't matter because he wants to train. And why does he want to train? Because he wants to win. And I remember a very fun conversation we had. Uh, we were running through the botanical gardens in Sydney, Australia, and he came and shared with me that he was going to go back to martial arts. He was going to go back to taekwondo. And I knew, I knew that had, he had been a, an international kickboxer and kicked or kicked and fought at the professional level, but I certainly didn't know that he had been a taekwondo fighter. Not only had he been a taekwondo fighter, but he was already a third dan, uh, and he was going to go back and, and do it. He's now gone through fourth dan and fifth dan, so black belt to the fifth degree. Uh, and I asked him, why are you doing this? And he answered me in a really funny way. He said, uh, to stay young and have fun. <laughs> I'm going to get in the ring and fight against some of the toughest blokes in the world to stay young and have fun. However, it seems that there is a particular driving force of excellence that underlies everything that K-Man does and he can't just go out and have fun. Uh, I think his fun is to win. And that's what I'm asking you. What is it that you want and why do you want it? And once you've got those sorted, is it possible that the training will sort itself? And I'll give you some other examples. Uh, if you are on a team and the rest of the team doesn't play well and you do and you lose, how does that make you feel? And I ask that question because a lot of people don't do team sports for that particular reason. Because if you put the effort in and you do the training and you want to win and you've done everything that you can possibly do to get yourself ready for that game and then the rest of the team doesn't play well or some people on the team let the team down, there's a lot of people that find that very difficult to deal with. But is it possible that if you're doing this for your personal reasons, so even if you play on a team where Everybody else can still play badly, but you play well, uh, that you are satisfied or you're happy with or you are inspired by your own performance. Interesting question to ask because there's another question there on leadership. Is it possible that if you are in a leadership role, so you have a team, now that team could be a sporting team, it could be a business team, it could be a family, it could be a classroom of students, uh, but is it possible that whatever your driving force is, uh, that you have to be able to lead your team in that same direction. So it's not just about you wanting to do it and you being excited about it and you wanting to win. But if you're in a team environment in any of those formats, is it possible that you have to have the leadership skills uh, to inspire the rest of the people on your team? And there's my big question. How do you get the rest of the team to train hard? How do you get the rest of the team to practice, plan and prepare for a powerful performance? How do you get the rest of the team to don't train till you get it right, train till you can't get it wrong? And is it possible that the ultimate leadership skill or the ultimate leadership characteristic is that you live the example? 
And that's one of the things, again, that K-Man does in fighting. Uh, he has a, a team of fighters, but he's the one that's the fittest, the strongest, the most skilled, the most committed, the most disciplined. So there's never an excuse, well, K-Man's not very fit or K-Man's not very strong, so we don't have to be either. It's the opposite. The leader of the team is the fittest, the strongest, the best, the most disciplined, the most focused, and that might bring the rest of the team along. So that's something to consider from a training perspective, if you are in a leadership role, whether it's a sporting team or a business team or your family or a classroom. So what's the best way to train? And as I shared, I study the best in the world and what they do. And it seems that it uh, doesn't matter what business person you study or what sports elite athlete you study, what sporting team, the best in the world that you study, you can take the name out and you can take the sport out. So you could swap that around. You could change the name and change the sport or change the, the business organization. But the story is the same. And I often say that because I have a library full of books about the best in the world. And isn't it exciting that the people who are the best in the world are happy to write a book about it? The best business people, the best musicians, the best artists, the best elite athletes and sporting teams, there's a book on them. And they share with you exactly what they've done to become the best in the world at what they do. But I'm going to share again, it's really interesting from studying excellence, which is what I do. I want to know how they got to be the best. And not just the best one time, but I'm really interested in the multiple world champions and the multiple Olympic athletes and the multi-millionaires. Like they didn't just do it once, they kept doing it. What's the difference there? And it seems that you can literally take the name out, take the sport out, take the organization out and put the fundamental back in and the book's exactly the same. So the most powerful thing to get yourself to train well, if you want to get fit for whatever it is, whether it's just to be fit to be a great parent or fit to look great in your clothes or, or fit to be able to run a marathon or fit to play your sport, uh, if you want to be fit to have a successful business, doesn't matter what any of those things are, if you, have to you have to train for that. And I'll rephrase, are there people who have a natural talent, natural skill, and the first time they do something, they're really good at it? <laughs> yes. But interestingly, the best in the world, when you, have, when you have a look at the study of those people, even if they are the best in the world, one of the fundamental differences between the best and average is even if you are the best and you are skilled and you are talented and you've got natural gifts, uh, and you combine that with this really interesting thing called discipline. And I'm sure you've heard this quote before, uh, skill and talent are actually quite common. It's disciplined skill and talent that's very rare. So there's a lot of people in the world who have the skill to play a sport or they've got the brains to be good at business or they've got the, the gift to sing or they've got the, the ability to, to do a lot of things or one thing in particular they might be very talented at. But if you don't add discipline to that, then of course uh, you, can't, you won't be successful because the key, and I'll use the best singers in the world, uh, the flip side of that is that there are the, the most successful, profitable, uh, most famous, most long-living singers in the world, the ones that have had the most singles and records and sold millions and millions of al albums around the world, they tend not to be the best singers. But they have this underlying fundamental, and I always 
uh, hook these together because to, to me this is the ultimate in sport, in business, in life, in parenting. If you want to be a great partner, it doesn't matter. Number one is you've got to do what you're the most passionate about. And the best in the world will tell you the reason they train so bloody hard and they want to train so hard is because they're doing what they're the most passionate about. So is it possible that if you're trying to train for something that you're not passionate about, you don't really care about, you're not in love with madly, that it might be really hard to train? Which is why as an exercise professional, when people say I want to lose weight, it's not about that. <laughs> uh, first of all, we don't want to lose weight because what's weight? It could be water, it could be muscle, it could be bone. But ultimately the question is why? Why do you want to do that? What's the driving force? And are you doing it for you or are you doing it for somebody else? And I think if we don't find that out, then it's very difficult to inspire somebody. Are you doing this because you want to do it because you're passionate about it? because you're excited about it, because it's really important to you. So the first part of what I call the sweet spot is number one, you do what you are the most passionate about, then training becomes easy. The second part of that's really interesting, because if you want to be successful at anything, you have to want to be the best at it. Not forced to be, not pressured to be, not expected to be, but you actually want to be. You don't want to be second best. You don't want to be average. You don't want to do just enough to get by. You actually want to be the best in the world at it. So when it comes to being an exercise professional, which is my driving force every day, Rowie, what are you training for? What are you learning for? What are you educating yourself for? Because I want to be the best exercise professional in the world. I don't want to be average. I don't want to do just enough to get by, which means the driving force then is I want to learn, train, educate hours thousands of hours, doesn't matter. I want to because that's what I'm excited about because that's what I'm passionate about. So the training, the education, the learning becomes not just I want to do it, I don't have to do it, I want to do it. It becomes something that you're passionately excited about and you want to keep doing every single day because the driving force is to get away from average, yuck, and become the best in the world at it. So Again, if you have a look at all the people in the whole world that have ever achieved anything and you take out their name and their sport or their name and their achievement and you put in the fundamental, it, the story is exactly the same. They're all doing exactly what they want to do, what they're passionate about, who they are and what they do are exactly the same thing. And then number two, the training, education and learning is the driving force for them to be the best in the world at it. They don't want to be average. Now, in business, it might not be that you want to be the best in the whole world, but you want to be the best for your customers and clients. You want to do the training, the learning, and the education so that your clients know that you're the very best. If you are a plastic surgeon, a cardiologist, an exercise professional, a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, don't you want the people in your life who are coming to you for care, don't you want them to say, I have the best exercise professional, I go to the best chiropractor, I have the best plastic surgeon. Now, all you have to be is the best for your customers and clients. You might have a driving force to be the best in the whole wide world, and that, that's where that training, education, and learning becomes incredibly important. Because if you don't keep training and learning and educating and getting better, somebody else will be. <laughs> and the only way to keep uh, excited about what you do, and that's why passion being the driving force, you want to keep getting better so it doesn't. there's no hassle to, to train or to educate or to keep learning. 
And that becomes what you want to do because you want to be the best for your customers, your clients, for the people that are looking at you and saying, if she can be the best in the world, maybe I can too. He, If he can do it, I can do it. And that might be the example that you want to set for your kids, for your athletes, for your students, for your employees. If he or she can do it, then I can do it too. The third part of the sweet spot is that you add massive value to people's lives. And interestingly, if you're on a team, and I'll just use that example, if you become the best on that team and you are the person who is the most disciplined, the most educated, the most highly trained, you've got the most uh, amount of self-discipline, self-motivation, self-inspiration, is it possible that you will add massive value to the entire team? When you have a look at the high-performing sporting teams in the world, there's always one or two and usually never more than that, people on that team who are the drivers, the leaders. They are the fittest, they are the strongest, they are the most talented, they are the most everything, and that adds value to the rest of the team. So even at training, they are the ones that are training the hardest, pushing the hardest, which means everybody rises to to their level of, of excellence. And it's something to ask yourself. Are you lowering yourself to other people's averageness Or are you raising everybody else's uh, uh, level of expertise and discipline and inspiration and motivation because you're living the example? And I think it's a really important question, particularly as an exercise professional. What's What's the point of telling people how to eat and how to exercise and how to be fit and strong if you're not the living, breathing example of it? If you are the fittest and strongest and healthiest of the people in your world, then of course you're going to add massive value to people's lives because they can actually look in your life and say, wow, look at that bloke. He's fit, he's strong, he's healthy, he's got kids, he's a busy person, but he's still found the time to look after himself and keep himself in peak physical condition and he's loving his life. Uh, Some of the really exciting things about being a leader, a coach, an exercise professional is that you can add value to people's lives by bringing them along with you. So those three things that make the sweet spot of, of anything that you do, love what you do, do what you're the most passionate about is number one. Do the education, training, learning, training, learning, training, learning, education every day, all day, so that you become the best in the world for your customers, clients, your team, your business, and then add massive value to people's lives. And if you do that, could it be possible that you wake up every day pretty bloody excited about life? So the next question is, what is the most effective way to train? If you know that you need to train, uh, what do the best in the world do? And there's several examples for that. (laughs) Uh, Again, you could take out the name and the sport, the name and the business and put in the example and it goes like this. There's three ways to train and the first one is with the team, with the people, with the organisation. So if you're on a sporting team, you go to training. Uh, If you are a member at the gym, you go to training. If you are on a business team, there'll be seminars, workshops, ongoing training. It's become pretty much now a uh, a good organisation is is not con- well any business is not considered a good business anymore unless they provide ongoing training for their employees. It's interesting to watch though when you look at training sessions, whether it's for sport or for music or for business. Uh, there are some people there that are there because they have to be. I go to training because if I didn't go to training, I'd lose my spot on the team. Or if I didn't go to training, I'd lose my place in the business. I'd lose my job. So I have to go to training. And I'm going because they're paying me to go and it's in their time and I'll go. 
Cool. So the first way to train is that you train with everybody else. You train as part of a team, as part of an organisation. You train because you have to, it's expected of you. And of course, the best in the world, whether it's somebody in an orchestra, a rock band, a sporting team, a business organisation, they're on a a team of doctors, a team of lawyers, doesn't matter, they will go. You have to go. So number one is you train with the team. Okay. Number two is interesting because the best in the world will always say this. The best in the world go to the team training. Of course they do. Just as a quick side note though, the best in the world arrive first, they leave last and they train the hardest while they're there with the team and they set the example for the rest of the team. Now there's a reason why they can do that though. Is it possible that the second part of training, so the first part's with the team, the next important place to train is on your own. And again, the best in the world at anything will tell you that their most important physical training or mental training isn't done with the team. The best in the world arrive at training the fittest and strongest. They don't go to training to get fit and strong. They don't go to training to get smart. They don't go to training to be creative. They don't go to training because the boss said so. They go or they arrive at training already the fittest and strongest and smartest and wisest possible because they do their own training. And it's been interesting to watch as uh, exercise professionals in particular, uh, having, I re- literally have been doing this all of my life. I've never done anything else. And it's been really interesting to watch the people that uh, started and stopped, started and had a little bit of success and then stopped. Had, some people had a lot of success, but a big challenge came up, so they stopped. And there's a big, uh, well, I, I call them an exciting group of people, and it's probably not a big group, but... The, I get excited by these people who all of their life, all of they've ever done, is uh, they're in the exercise professional in the exercise profession because they love it. It's their driving force. They do, they do this because they love it. And what's really interesting is that they don't do the training, the education, because uh, to get qualified and then to maintain your registration insurance, you have to go and do ongoing education. A lot of those people, and they're usually the average ones who drop out. The people that have been doing this the longest in, in my profession, in the exercise profession, but in, you could pick any profession, any sport, any art, are the people who do ongoing training not because they have to to stay registered or qualified or to stay on the team, but they do ongoing training because they want to keep learning, they want to keep getting better. So my question is this, are you going to the, the training with the team? Are you going to the training with the other exercise professionals at the gym? Are you going to the training with the sporting team? Are you going to the teacher's training, the lawyer's training, the doctor's training? Because you have to. But are you arriving there as the fittest, strongest, wisest headspace because you do your own personal training? <laughs> and that's one of the ways that I quite happily use that terminology. What personal training are you doing to make sure that you're the fittest and strongest and toughest and wisest person in your team, in your world, for your students, for your athletes? And of course, that's in your own time. Now, the interesting thing, there's two parts. One is it's considered that that needs to be 10,000 hours as a BAM, a bare ass minimum. And the best time to train is in prime time. And I use that terminology very directly because prime time for most people is uh, six o'clock at night till 10 o'clock at night and they're watching television and if you want to put an ad on television in prime time between six and ten it's going to cost you two times three times five times more than if you put an ad on at 10 o'clock in the morning because that's when most people are watching television prime time 
Guess who isn't watching television in prime time? Elite athletes, top business people, top musicians, artists, people who want to be the best in the world at what they do, they train when everybody else is watching television. They train when everybody else is resting. They train when everybody else is doing nothing. So you're 10,000 hours and there's just so much exciting research on the best in the world and what's the bare ass minimum number of hours that you need to do to get good at something. And I promise you the best in the world don't count. I've done 9,000, 9,001, 9,002. They just keep training because they love it. But when they're analysed from their success, how come that person's so good at playing the guitar? How come that person's so good at kicking a soccer ball? How come that person's so good at basketball? How come that person is a multi-billionaire? And the fundamental is they've done a minimum, bam, bare-ass minimum number of hours of 10,000 hours of high-intensity, top-level, professional training to get to be the best at what they do and not the training they do with the team. It's the training that they do on their own. So if you look at someone like Michael Jordan, uh, depending on where you are in history, uh, still recognised as one of the best basketballers in the world, and this is one of my favourite stories about him, a reporter went to do a story on the Chicago Bulls when he was in his prime. And of course, when you do a story as a reporter on the Chicago Bulls, you want to talk to Michael Jordan. He went out to dinner with the team to do an interview and Michael Jordan wasn't there. So the reporter says, says to the coach, excuse me, sir, but where's Michael Jordan? I'd like to interview him. And the coach said, with quite a bemused look on his face, where do you think he is, mate? He probably didn't say mate because he's not Australian. Uh, he's on the court shooting hoops. He's the best in the world. Everybody else is having dinner and Michael Jordan is shooting hoops. Of course. Uh, a, a, a golfer by the name of Tiger Woods. Uh, after every championship where he won the championship, everyone else is having a beer. They call it the 19th hole. So everyone's drinking. Where's Tiger? Hitting the ball, hitting the ball, hitting the ball, hitting the ball. A really great quote from him. His coach said to him, Tiger, you're not very good at hitting the ball out of the sand, so we need to practice hitting the ball out of the sand, out of the bunker. And Tiger responded beautifully with, I'm going to practice not getting it in there in the first place. I'm going to practice and train, practice and train, practice and train, not till I get it right, but until I can't get it wrong. So... In your prime time, when everybody else is resting, when everybody else is Facebooking and playing computer games and gossiping and, and wasting time on silly things that don't add value to life, and I say it a little bit sarcastically, of course, but it seems to me that people say to me all the time, I'm so busy, oh, I can't, I'm too busy to study or I'm too busy to train or I'm too busy to exercise or I'm too busy to eat healthy food. But if I were to ask, there's 24 hours in your day, let's have a look at what you did with those 24 hours. The champions of the world, the best in the world, will share with you that in prime time, they were not Facebooking, they were not watching television, they were training, they were punching, they were kicking, they were practicing, they were living and breathing the example of being a champion. And they practice with the champion headspace. So they're not practicing until they get it right, they're practicing until they can't get it wrong. Which leads me to the third part of training, which I think is the most important. So yes, you train with the team, with the organisation, the training you have to do. As an exercise professional, you have to get qualified because otherwise you look like an idiot. Please take that on board. How can we be taken seriously as a profession if we're not qualified, if we haven't done the training to get the qualification? 
So then you do the training on your own. So even after you're qualified, you keep practicing training, practicing training, learning, educating to become better and better at what you do. But the third part of training is not the training you do by yourself physically. It's the training you do by yourself inside your own head. And this has been shared with me from, yes, my husband, who is an elite athlete, to, yes, the best other athletes in the world, to some of the most interesting stories about people who have been locked in jail or they've been uh, in some form of isolation uh, where they couldn't do what they wanted to do, but they trained inside their head. And this is really interesting because when you train with a team, there's lots of variables. You could trip over, somebody could bang into you, people make silly comments, a whole heap of things can happen out of your control when you train with other people. When you train by yourself, there'll be days that you can't put in 100% effort because you're tired or you're stressed or you haven't eaten enough or you're dehydrated or your headspace is just not right. It doesn't mean you don't train, but it's often not the perfect training session. But when you train in your headspace, when you, when you compete in your own head, when you play the game, play the song, uh, do the presentation, do the exam, when you do all of that inside your head, when you go through it systematically inside your head and you do the physical training but you do it mentally, so you play the game, you uh, go through each question in the, in the exam, you go through the experience of, of a career interview and you do it perfectly inside your head and that is the only place you can do it perfectly because every other example is going to be something that happens, there's other variables but inside your head you can practice with perfection. And the most interesting one that I read about this, and it's kind of, that the day that I read this, it really changed my headspace. There were a group of American soldiers who were in Japanese concentration camps, Japanese war camps, and they were taken prisoner. And uh, there were sports people. There were golfers and basketballers and, and footballers and people that were really good at their sport. But they were locked up for many years inside a Japanese prisoner of war camp. But to stay sane and to stay positive, uh, not knowing when they would ever get out of there, if they would, they would play their sport inside their little tiny concrete box or inside their hole in the ground or inside their, their, their prison camp. So they would play 18 holes of golf or they would play 80 minutes of football or they would play basketball or they would uh, do a presentation for a, for a big organisation. But the, everything, everything they did, they couldn't physically do it. They had to do it inside their head. And the report after they got out of those prisoner of war camps was really fascinating because there were guys that went in as average golfers and when they played their first game of golf after prisoner of war camp, they were better at golf. There were basketballers that were, had a, you know, an average of, of shooting hoops. But when they came out of prisoner of war camp where they'd been practicing perfectly inside their head every single day, they came out of prisoner of war camp without being able to play the game better at basketball. There were people who were in prisoner of war camp who, who weren't good at presentations. They weren't good at speaking in public. But they practiced perfectly every day inside their head and when they got out of prisoner of war camp, they could stand up in front of thousands of people and speak eloquently and articulately and smoothly because they'd practiced inside their head. So here's a great question. And it's a really silly question if you don't want to be good at something, you don't want to achieve and you don't want to be the best in the world or the best in the world for your clients. But my question is always this, why not? 
whether it's being a parent or a teacher or a coach or a business person or an athlete or a lover or a professional speaker or whatever profession you're in and whatever you do, why not aim to be the best at it? Why do we ever settle for average? Why would we want to be the worst when we could be the best? And I ask that question more importantly for our, for our children, for our young, young adults. If they watch us doing average things, if they watch us being ordinary, if our kids see us accepting that it's okay to watch television in prime time when we could be practicing and training and educating ourselves to become better at what we do, what example are we setting for our kids? Uh, if our clients and our our patients and our students think that we, oh, I want to be trained by the best in the world. I want my coach to be the best in the world. I want my teacher to be the best in the world. I want my exercise professional to be the best in the world. But they watch television and Facebook and, and talk on social media at 7 o'clock at night. They're not training. They're not educating. And I'm not suggesting that you have to train, educate, learn at 7 o'clock at night. But here's a great question. If you want to be the best at something, do you need to do it differently than what the average people are doing? A really great suggestion by one of the best business uh, headspace philosophers in the world, uh, uh, Mr. Rome, Mr. James Rome, suggested that have a look at what the average people are doing or the people that aren't doing very well and follow them around <laughs> and take notes and do the opposite. So if, if the rest of the world's watching television at 7 o'clock, could it be a really good idea for you to be training and educating and learning? If the average exercise professional does a qualification with just enough to get by and then they stop learning and they don't know their anatomy and physiology and they don't know how the human body systems work and they don't know how to communicate effectively, if you want to be the best exercise professional in the world, could it be a really good idea to practice and train not till you get it right but till you can't get it wrong? And then there's this really beautiful expression by one of the best car companies in the world, even the best know they can get better. And I use that example all the time because elite sports cars are the best example of, regardless of how perfect that car is, by the time that car hits the general public and somebody can buy that car, they're already making a better car. They've already started to make a design. They have a look at that one and they say, we can make it better than that. The best know they can get better. The Michael Jordans, who I considered the best at basketball, knew they could get better and they kept training even though they were the best in the world. The best tennis players, the best football players, the best business people, the best singers, the best violinists, the best chiropractors, the best doctors, the best lawyers, they all know that the best can get better. There's no such thing as best. And is it possible that if you think you're the best, that's where arrogance sets in and that's where we become lazy? I don't want to be a lazy, undisciplined exercise professional. How about you? I don't want to be a lazy, undisciplined sports person. How about you? I don't want to be a lazy, undisciplined business person. How about you? I want to be the best in the world, not for the world. But I'm the one that has to look in my mirror at the end of my day and say, Hey, Roy, what'd you do today? Did you waste time being average? Or did you dedicate every minute of your life to getting better at what you do? Whether it's a clean house, a clean car, clean fingernails, a highly educated brain that keeps getting more education, uh, better communication skills, better 
everything you do in your life, wouldn't it be awesome if you just drop average off and decided that everything I do, I'm going to put the best effort in. I'm going to train with the team at 100% effort. I'm going to train by myself at 100% effort. And inside my head, it's going to be perfect every time. And it's interesting because we have 24 hours. All of us have 24 hours every 24 hours. We always have a day and then tomorrow there's another day and another day. We just don't know how many of those we're going to get. And imagine looking back over your life knowing that you could have been an achiever. You could have been the best in the world for your customers, your clients, your children, your students, your athletes. But you decided to be average. I can't, that just doesn't sit with me. I can't, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. How about you? So if you want to look over your day and say, hey, I've had a really great day because I put in 100% effort into everything that I did. I didn't train because I had to. I didn't train to get it right. I didn't train to get a bit of paper. I didn't educate myself so I could get a qualification. I'm doing what I'm absolutely passionate about. I want to be the best in the world at it for all the people in my life specifically and specifically for me. And I want to add massive value to people's lives. And how can we add massive value to people's lives if we are average? (laughs) 